Welcome to Live from the Stoop Podcast with me, Robbie Digital. On this podcast, we'll go through different people's life and they made it from the stoop to where they are today. We never know who's going to stop by and sit with us and kick it about their life through their trials, tribulations, and their journeys. On today's episode, we're chilling with my main man, Vinny. Although Vinny is a Queens native, man oh man did he change the Bronx in such a good way. We'll start from his humble beginning and how he created BX Sports and turned it into Bronx Social, creating a streetwear culture and a creative brand that it is today. Sit back, relax, and chill on the stoop. What's going on, Vinny? How are you, man? Good, good, Rob. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Uh, just, you know, running around. The city's slowly opening back up, getting used to I it. Heard, what about yourself? I heard, yep. Yeah, same thing. Same know? thing, getting used to it. Kids are running, have you running rampant, I'm sure. They're ready to do everything for the summer. Oh, everything. Every single day. Every single day. And, and then every- you're managing that and work, so that has to be a lot, too. Yeah, well, you try to, try to do both. You know what I mean? Try to satisfy them, satisfy the business, so it's kind of like a, a, a big juggle set. I can only imagine. Um, I wanted, I've been wanting to speak to you for a while. I feel like, although you're like a Queens native, like you've made the Bronx, like you've changed the Bronx in so much, in so many different ways. And I feel like a lot of people don't know like the behind the scenes of what you've contributed to where we are in the Bronx today. So I was like, when I had the opportunity to speak with you, and he was like, hey, yo, Rob, I'd love to come to the show. I was really super excited to really tell that story. Um, so I just, without further ado, let's just dig into it. Okay, so, man, um, shoot. Tell me, like, being from Queens, how was that? Uh, Queens was good, you know. Um, always worked, you know. And then mm-hmm. I, when I started in the uh, sneaker business, I was, uh, I would say... Just turned seventeen. And um, how was how was footwear at that time? Oh man, because we're looking. What is this like? What what year would you say this is? Seventeen? How old? Nineteen ninety one. Nineteen ninety one. Okay. So at this 90, time, what 91. is this? Jordan six, maybe Jordan five or six. I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, because Jordan had just won his first championship. So that's around five six, if I'm not mistaken. Probably, probably it was. Uh, I would tell you the best. The best of the best. Like, love was, um, I don't know, it was a different energy versus the energy now. Like, Mm -hmm. people used to come to the store, see what's new. Mm -hmm. um, And it was the place for the neighborhood to come to, you know? Interesting. It was really, really awesome. Like, I don't think you could ever repeat that ever again. So before we get to, like, pretty much, like, the sneakers and and the boutiques, I want to scale it back a little bit to like a young Vinny before we get to like the store owner the store how was it like coming from like your home how was it like growing up as far as like what was a typical Saturday in the house in the house well you know Saturday will you know like probably every other kid would race to watch cartoons on Saturday you know <laughs> my you know I have my mom and my dad there um my dad uh, always worked he was a painter and my mom was a, a housewife. Okay. So, you know, my dad would not work Saturday, but hang out for a little bit. Then he'll go off to the cafe and hang out with his boys and stuff. And mom was, you know, home and we'll be outside playing basketball, uh, sports, whatever. How know. many was it of y'all? Uh, all together, four. Sister really? And two brothers, yeah. Wow. And how are you like the middle and the I'm, brothers or like? I'm, I'm, I'm the second oldest. Wow. Okay. This is the oldest. So that has to be interesting. So you're the kind of the youngest in that area, but the oldest among the boys. Ex- 
Exactly. So they pretty much followed everything that you did. Most, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. So if you went out, they they was tagging right along with you. Well, my other brother is is a year younger, and the other one was five years. Okay. So the first first one, yes. The other one, you know, was still. Did his thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like too young. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it was exactly. like, ah, I don't really want to take him, but if I have to, yeah, yeah. fine, 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 yeah, yeah. fine. Uh, what was your first job? My first job was, um, well, I did construction with my uncle, you know, like maybe like on a Saturday we did a, a job. But the real like first job I would say was uh, I did my paper route. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you so paper route? I feel like I hear these stories about people like having paper routes, but never knowing someone who actually did one. How did you get into that? Well, I had a, a buddy of mine that had a route. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had maybe another uh, two routes, say, and then he didn't want to do one route, and he's like, "You want to do it, Vin?" I was like, "Yeah, let me do it." It was, you know, I lived on one fourteen, and it was a uh, hundred twelfth Street, so I did like about five six blocks, you know, walk up down, put the. Um, the paper, paper and a little, and little that, paper joint. And, yeah, yeah. And then the next day you go there and collect the payments. Then you give it to the, you know, the the guy who's running the routes and stuff. And then you'll you'll make money off the tips and stuff like that. What time were you usually getting up in the morning to do that? It was the evening. Evening. Oh, so it was really? After school, yeah. Oh, that's not bad. I always think, like, when I hear paper routes, I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning with, like, a knapsack. Yeah. And I started at the top of the hill. and yeah, So no, that's no, cool. This was it, after school. After school, then after that, uh, my dad got me a job at um, at a butcher store in Queens um, on 101st Avenue. That I worked there for a while. I mean, I was a young kid behind a counter making uh, sausage. Uh, like it was crazy. People used to come back there and be like, "Who made this?" And it's like, "Oh, the kid in the back." I was on a crate <laughs> making, sausage. making the sausage and everything. Yeah, it was it was crazy, man. So like, was it? I'm assuming like your dad was like, "All right, this has been cool. We're gonna get you an actual job, job." Because I feel like, well, in my house, like, yeah, my parents got to work. Yeah, that's it. Like, there's no, you know, young. You work. That's it. I mean, yeah. I was small, man, <laughs> but I loved it. You know what I mean? I always yeah. loved to work, and I always loved to make the money. You know what I mean? And, so uh, it was like that experience was just like, oh yeah, amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from that that place, I got a job. When my sister was working at a deli mm-hmm. in, in Queens, too. Um, like a regular delicatessen. A big deli. It was like, they would have like maybe 12 cut and slicing machines. It was huge. What? Yeah, it was an Italian wow. deli. So they, they had a, a, a lot of cutting machines. It was called Pat's and Sons Deli. Um, worked there for like uh, maybe four years. So now you go from like being the kid at the butcher shop to the kid at the deli. I'm, I'm assuming everyone in the neighborhood is like really familiarizing yourself with your face then oh, yeah, as you're yeah. going around. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm from the neighborhood, so not a lot of, I knew a lot of people. Oh, that's Finney's back, back there. Hey, give me this. Give me that. Yeah. That had to be cool. So uh, then from that point on, I left that deli, and then I got a job uh, at Sports Lane on Liberty Avenue. How did you uh, find that? I would, I, I, the first the deli I worked at was mm-hmm. on 112th Street. This was at um, 118th Street, so I, would, mm-hmm. I was always shopped there. Uh, okay. Since I was a kid, I would put stuff on layaway, so I kind of knew the owner, mm-hmm. but not close. But going there, order, you know, he order knew some you. Stuff. Yeah, put stuff on layaway, and my my cousin from Italy, he used to shop there, so he put me on to that place. Okay, the store must have been maybe five hundred square feet, like small, really. But that's the days when you had the surgery, the kitty suits, mm-hmm. and, and he had all the all that stuff. 
Really? Yeah, so uh, when I left the deli, um, you know, I was looking for a job. So, uh, you know, I would go up and you look, you're hiring. Uh, he said, uh, no, not right now, blah, blah, blah. So I kept going back. I think that's, that's like the, like, you can't teach that kind of drive. Like, I remember when I got my first job, I, like, walked into the library and was like, hey, I want to work here. And she was like, who, who, who do you know? I was like, I have, I have experience, I've done this, and I can count. So I can, I can see, like, that has to be cool where you're like, you, you shop here, you always get the latest things from here. And at that time, I know, like, your affinity with streetwear and clothes, like, it's, it's second nature almost, not really knowing that future where it was going to go. But, oh, I like, used to love it. I but mean, just seeing it. Yeah, yeah. So I, love, I loved it from the beginning when I was a little kid. You know, my mm. mother used to take uh, shoe shopping, and the store that we used to go to was called Jumpin' Jacks. Okay. So Sports Lane would say it was on 118, so mm. uh, past it was Leftwich Boulevard. I think it might have been 120-something. Anyway, it was an older couple. And we used to go in there as kids, and they'll tie up the shoe, and they'll tell you, run there, run. And you used to make that run. <laughs> I want, you know, it was like that. It was that moment, like, oh, oh, this is the one. The kangaroos, remember the kangaroos? Yeah. That's when wow. that happened. So we had the kangaroos. And the, you know, it was all that, that era of, of the, I, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know. But mm. now that I, I go back, I could see that's when the sneaker culture was kind of getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then... As soon as I started working at the store, it was crazy. So at that time, so we're saying, because you said the first, you, this is 1991, you're watching streetwear, well, you're watching the sneaker culture in its infancy. Oh, yeah. So you're watching, like, you see Do the Right Thing happen. You see uh, the Fresh Prince happen. You see Air Force One. You see Air Max One. Do you think it was as big of a cultural phenomenon, or it just seemed like everything was going with life. Like, it was just like, oh, that's that, and that's happening. Not that it was, like, a big deal. No, it was. Yeah, it was just life, right? Yeah. Because I was working at this. Now I'm working at the store, right? Um, so I'm assuming, like, at that time, as the culture is, like, like developing, like you said, like, it's just life. It's not looking at it as a big thing. Like, that's just that thing that's happening. Exactly. A lot of some kids were on it, some were, weren't on it. Like you could go into the store and pick up the Jordan Six on mm. the shelf, no problem. Interesting. Interesting. It was that. It was like that. You know what I mean? And and also too, I'm assuming like the other brands had their things going on at the time. Every as well. brand had. Every brand had. The, everybody had that moment for the season. Like you know, you had the uh, Asics. I remember was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Feli was. Crazy. Huge at that time. Crazy. Because, I mean, we don't get Grant Hill until the mid-mid-90s, but still, Feli was still doing their thing and creating their name for themselves. And at that time, if I'm not mistaken, Bruce Kilroy creates the EXT for Adidas at that time. Uh So the EXT is becoming a big thing now, too, with him leaving Nike and everything. But still, like, we're just seeing the development of, like, training and all the other sportswear shoes develop. It was it was it was awesome, man. And I had to be like, I guess opening every box that came in was like, like Christmas every day, because you just it. didn't you didn't there was no catalog like you just saw it. It was like this is this thing. I remember when the Feli guy used to come into the shop, uh, and he was uh, he was pretty big in developing product, mm-hmm. and he will pull stuff off the the shelf. Uh, I'll give you an example: high tech. You know, high tech was crazy. With yeah, the, the high ones with the mesh on the side. Mm-hmm. He said, what do you think about this with the feel like on the side? And yeah, who'll get it done? 
bring it in, blow out. In real time. Real time. Like, it was crazy. Like, he always used to come in, buy the shoes, and then flip his feel eye on it and sold. That's amazing. It was, it was crazy. How was the relationships with the brands at that time? Oh, they used to love small mom and pops. They loved us. I think about, like, that time each mom and pop store had their own individuality as well. Of course, because, uh, you know, if you're, you're, you're in Queens and you have a guy in Brooklyn, he knows for his um, area, his customer, right? Yeah. He's there every day. He knows what they want. We would rock black red. They would probably do black blue just because of the, you know, whatever, the same shoe, but just yeah. the color-wise. They knew the neighborhood. And that, that would draw the customers to the store. Right, because you know what you're feeding them, what they want. So, how is that for you now? You're 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 17 years old. You've made a name for yourself in this small community, and now you're like Vinny, who works at the sneaker store. Well, now they used to call me. Well, they call me Vinny Sneaks. So my friends would be like, "Oh, that was that's a good name." Yeah, Vinny, Vinny Sneaks is a fire name. Not gonna lie. So now you're Vinny. You're going to high school. You're in high school. You're wearing every latest shoe. I had the Jordans. You know, when they say two weeks before they came out. Yeah. A month before. And I used to go to school and kids that were oh my God. What, uh, I just saw them last night. You would they would see them in the game and exactly. then you would have them exactly. that moment. Exactly. The next I would have them on. Every time he played the game and he brought those new sneakers, had them on. Because I remember if I'm not mistaken, the way Jordan Nike would do it at the time, Jordan wouldn't premiere the new shoe until the playoffs. Exactly. So the new model, like if we were if, if it was the five, the six you didn't see until the playoffs exactly. hit. Exactly. Yep. And then it, you wouldn't get it until the season was over. So by September, everyone was running trying to get that one shoe. Well, like I said, it, you'd be able to. You kids were on it, like, oh, oh. but you were able to go on the shelf and get them. They were they were there, but to have them prior to that, like right after the you know the game, and then you walk into school like how like just just how that, that's cool. That's real influence at the time too. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was. You know, organic. It was. Did you see yourself becoming? Did you feel like a tastemaker at that time, or was that too early to even have that word? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that because before everybody used to shop and shop for what they like, right? And mm-hmm. dress up, and you know, the store didn't have this shoe. You're gonna pick up a different shoe, and then you pick out the outfit to go for. So it's like I would say everybody was kind of hip into in the their fashion. own right, exactly. You know, where versus now that it's all based on what they see on social media, and then they'll run to the store and buy it. Interesting. And, and, and if you want to show them a different shoe, they're like, no, I want those. That shoe. That's it. So before, you'd be like, all right, I don't have this one, but I have this. Oh, you know what? Let me get that. I'll flip it with this. I'll... That, those days are gone. So as you're, as you're working at, at, at the store, how's the relationship between you and the owner? How's that going? Oh, uh, really, really, really good. Really, really good. I was like opening and closing the store at like 18 years old, you know, ordering stuff. I remember when he first took me to... Uh, to do a Nike buy. This is when they didn't have uh, um, an office in the city, say. They was in a, in a brownstone. And it was like crazy, like Air Max 95s. Like it was just that era right there. Like all the 95s. It was like. And at this time, I'm saying, I think what Nike calls them, like I think Eakins or something like that. So like the Eakins there and the PLM, like the product line manager, and they're just showing you these shoes. It was just a sales rep. Really? Yeah, just a sales rep. He's like, yo, this is what we have. That's This is what we have. And what do you think that you like? Exactly. What do you want? Order it. Wow. There's no allocations. There's none of that. I can only imagine the, f- the feeling of like seeing the first Air Max 95 and looking oh, like, man. this I, is the future. I was ordering it. And you know, <coughs> my old boss, Myron, 
you sure? I'm like, 100%. This is it. This is the one. The next color, the next, it was like the, the, the gray with the, uh, the neon green, the, the, with the orange. The red, the, the yellow, blue, the, the blue, the teal. And the way they were flowing was one month, boom. Second month, the next color. So you would get every color. Wow. You know, it was just like that. Boom. It was. And each color was, I, I, it was more exciting than the next. Because you were like, how did you even think of this color? Yep. How did you even put this together? It was a good time, man. Really, really good. And just to order as a kid, like. Because you're making this decision. Of course. And, yeah, and, yeah, and that trust, yeah. that trust for Because so when it sells out, you're like, look. Aha. Everything was selling. Everything. And he was like, Vinny, how did you know? And you're like, I know. This is it. Just you felt it, you know. It was just the energy, you know, going to school, and you know, you're in the street. It's just that you, you see it, you know what I mean. What type of con- were you? I mean, now thinking about it, like for me, when I was younger, it was always like going from different stores to find what they had that another store didn't have. So, like, I always hear the stories of like people traveling from like Brooklyn to the Bronx to go to Juman. Because there was Air Force Ones that he had that no one else had. Did you see those silent consumers too that were coming from like different boroughs? Like I heard y'all have this. Oh, we used to get uh, customers from everywhere. I mean, this store was small, but it had everything. Everything. Like they used to come. Oh, because when they knew we had it, even though the store was small, we had more goods than big stores. And this is all through word of mouth. Yeah, it was a neighborhood store, and it's just, you know, started getting the uh, Nike account um, when he first got it, uh, Myron Sports Lane. It was just like, just kept growing, Timberland, everything. You know, he used to sell Travel Fox. <laughs> wow. Kegs. Wow. That's how niche the... It was, sold everything. Reebok Classics was crazy. We were, I was just talking to a friend about Reebok Classics. I remember, like, that was my mom's, like, favorite shoe. Yeah, the white on white. The white on white with the with the uh, Brit, British, yes. like, flag in it, the Britain, Great Britain flag in it. Yeah, the women's she, were all white on white, and the men's had the little gray hit in the bottom. Yeah, she would buy the white on white and then buy black on black. And that was her shoe, like, yo, this is what I'm wearing all the time. Yeah, yeah. And that was the Freestyle High 5411s. Of course, the 5411. Tax on. So you so you just watched like these these eras and movements of happening. How long were you there? I was there from ninety one to when I first opened up my first store till ninety seven. So really good about six six and a half years, six six and a half years. And I wonder like so because most stores at that time were you seeing like the local celebrities come in? So like this is Queen, so the LLs, the well you used to have uh, well before it was more of the neighborhood celebrities say. Okay. You, know, you had the hustlers. You had the, of course, and that's what drove, I think, the business wise. I mean, everybody would come. You know, everybody used to come, park their nice cars in the front, coming in, shop, buy bags, and and leave bags. Like, and I, you know, it's funny I say that. So, um, I always I had a conversation with Dallas Penn once, and we were talking about the history of influencership, and I always say that hustlers were the first influencer. Like. For me, like I, I judge footwear and just streetwear culture and what like it's who wore it yeah, of course, on a yeah. on an athletic wear, then who wore it locally and then where I got it from. So like hustlers were the first person I saw with like actual influence. Like, okay, those Air Force ones, if he bought them, that's the Air Force one to buy. 
if he had that feli, that's the feli that I needed to buy well, if I was going back to school. Used to floss. It was a lot of money in the street, so it was like, give me that, give me that, give me that, give me. Don't even try it on. Thank you. Bye. And be back the next day. Kids, I'm assuming too. They had to have the kids that were like, "Yo, like, can you cut me a deal? Like, I don't have enough." Well, listen, you're a neighborhood store, and that's what we did. You know, we always did that. You know, always. You have to take care of the neighborhood. The kids don't have five dollars, ten dollars. All right, get you next time. No, no problem. Because they're coming to you, and, they, and you work with them. You know, that's how you develop a neighborhood store and, and be part of the neighborhood. You know, you can't just say no. It doesn't 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 fly sense. like that. No, it's. They're going to support you. You get them on the next time around. They'll come. They'll keep shopping. That's how I developed, too, like, uh, to be a good business person is work. Because I think, you know, it's funny. They say, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not personal. It's just business. But I think when you take business and make it personal, in a good way, it makes more business. Well, it's good business. It's good business. Good, good business. That's what, that's what I call it. Like, if you know... If, you have to do business. So if you're not going to make all the money, but you make some, better than nothing, right? Absolutely. That's, that's how I look at it. You know what I mean? You always got to make sure it makes sense. You can't give it away for free, but you have to make sure it makes sense. So now this is 96, 97. You're feeling like you've reached your glass ceiling. Yeah, I was there at the store and I was did everything. And I was at 20, I was ready. Like, so how do you start making that decision like, where do I go from here? Well, I got out of high school, and you know, I said to myself, uh, "What am I going to do? Get a you know, somebody's trying to get me a job at uh, some jewelry store in Manhattan, and mm-hmm. be in the union, blah blah blah." And I'm like, "All right, cool." I took it. Then I'm waiting for them to call me. They never called, and I'm like, "You know what? Let me just go to uh, school for mm-hmm. like two years, college, uh, yeah, community college." Then I'm on there. I took business courses and stuff, and some of the stuff they taught was like, oh, you know what? I could use that part in, in the business. Some of the stuff has really got to be hands-on in the store, you know? Mm-hmm. So after I went to school, I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to open up my own business. Really? That's a big that's a big decision, like early in your 20s. Yeah. At 20, I was ready. Like I said, I was in the store. I did everything. At, so from, from how do you start from that moment? Like, how do you start your research? What's the thought process? Did you even know where to start? Yeah, I used to go around all the time as a kid, going to on Broadway and just looking at the shops, and you know, mm-hmm. I was always around looking at how other stores did stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so research wise, all I said to myself, I was like, I, I want to open up a store, um, and I didn't want to open up in Queens. Okay, I was like. Uh, I don't want to do that because I worked for my boss for such a long time. So res- respect, like it was a respect thing. One hundred percent, because I'm from Queens. So if I open up in Queens, you know, I've been in his shop for seven years, and if I opened up in Queens, it just, you know, I felt like it's not the right thing to do. So that's when I decided. I said, you know what? There was a guy across the street from um, from the shop where I worked uh, in Sports Lane, and he had a store in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at his bag, and I'm like. This guy has a store in the Bronx, so you think the Bronx is like... Yeah, know? the Bronx is the... The Bronx has always had a really weird reputation, so when you say it, I guess it's because it's the is in the beginning of it. I, I guess. Like, um, everyone else has Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan. You say the Bronx, you're like, whoa. And I said, you know... He didn't yeah, look yeah, like... Yeah, so you're, asking, so you're like, he don't look like he can handle himself, so you're like, why... How did you get a store in the Bronx? So uh, I spoke to him, and he's like, oh, go check it out, Vin. Go on the block. They don't have nothing there. And it was White Plains Road and Pelham Parkway. I was like, all right. I go there, look, I'm like, 
oh wow, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. This this could be it. So I kept going and going and going. I used to get in the car, drive around the Bronx, writing down addresses. I still might have it in my house. I have like a whole thing I did, like addresses, what I want to name the store, like a whole list. I might still have it. Um, and then I kept looking, 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 and then I saw a spot that was going out of business. It was a, a, a big store. Um, I go in there and I tell the guy, you know, you guys going out of business? He goes, yeah. I was like, uh, you know, can I get the landlord's number? And he said, no, they rented. It's going to be a funeral place over here. I'm like, what? So I felt like he was probably upset because he was closing or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, I came back the next day. I was like, come on, man. Can I just get the number to the... To the landlord. Like, stop, stop being a dick. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> like, I get it. You don't want to close, but hey, you're closing. Give me the number. <laughs> so he gave me the number, called, and uh, that store was... A, uh, he said already, he did have someone for it. Not a funeral parlor, but he did have someone for it. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, but he said next door was Supercuts, so it was um, a smaller store, sort of like where I worked in sports. Mm. Like, you know, this store was probably like three hundred square feet bigger. This one might have been like eight hundred square feet, say. So it was kind of the same feeling. I'm already used to, right? Yeah. So I got the number to the place there and uh, gave a call. And, uh, you know, we went back and forth, and, and my old boss helped me with, you know, teaching me how to... Negotiate. Get, yes. To get, I was young, you know? Yeah. And, and plus, they probably didn't want to talk to me. Like, you're 20. Like, what are you... 22. What are you What are you doing? Yeah. So he helped me with that. He set up... He showed me how to do the deal, and, and we, got this, we got the spot. Um, and then from that point on, it was just... Uh, Off to the races. Yeah. Every day was just like, no fear. Just go for it. That's it. And I can imagine that, that moment of, like... You get the keys to the place. I feel like that's always an... It's priceless. Well, yeah, of course, because you, you have the thought in your head, did all the process, driving around, looking around, and now it's here. The keys is in your hand, you open it, and you can... You're just imagining... Yeah, you want to like, fix up... This is going to go here, and that's going to go here. We're going to put this here. How are we going to fix the store? I want to do this and that. And then my boss is like, listen, just open up the store, spend the least amount of money, and just get open. You know, down the road, you'll be able to really kind of do what you want to do, but just get open. And that's what I did. You know, I was in, you know, I saw how the store was getting built. I learned how to build stores and it was a good time. So then how do you come up with the name BX Sports? That's a funny one. Um, so again, I was saying I used to write everything down. Everything I did, I used to write down goals and, you know, I want to do this. I put my a timeline on it. Um, so I had a whole bunch of names that I just got off the head. Boom. And I gave them to like probably 10 people that I knew close and, and marked down one to 10, which one they like. So, uh, I got all the papers back and I don't like any of them. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I got to think of something else. That's that usually was, how names work. It was the hardest thing. Cause you want, you know, listen, you're going to live with it, right? It's yes. For a while, you know, God willing. And, uh, so, you know, I was just driving in the Bronx and I'm like, man, I'm driving behind the bus. I think it might've been a BX 12 or something. So I'm like, BX, because it's the Bronx, it's the 12, that's the Bronx 12 bus. Yeah. There you go, there's a name, BX Sports. That's it, that's the name. And, and it was like, oh! That, that was it. I went to the sign guy, I'm like, I want BX Sports, I want it like this, I want it like this, I'm, you know, back and forth on the logo, okay, boom, and that's how it, it developed. And then, I'm, I'm assuming, like, so you have the name now, and then the relationships. So you have all the relationships from, well, I had, from I had, the accounts. Well, I knew the salespeople and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for other accounts, you know, the, 
again, at that age, a lot of people would not kind of mess with hearsay. So I work a lot through my old boss, right? So, you know, we, we kind of worked in a way that uh, the companies knew that I would get the product from him, say, and, and put it in, in the shop. You know, until mm. I got my own, like, Nike account and, and Timbaland and so on. And at that, so so you're buying from him. He's also buying for himself. Yeah, like, I would, would you add a PO on his, uh, yeah. his thing that... that, that add was, an extra skew if you needed exactly, a set amount, set exactly, amount. Exactly, Um, How were those early first days, for, well, first months of opening the store? Well, I had nothing. I, had, I mean, I had stuff, mm. but it... It didn't bother me. Like, you know, I'd look at people would come in, you got nothing in here. I said, well, it takes time, you know. Like, in my mind, that didn't discourage me one bit. Because like, you like, knew. Yeah, I knew. You know what I mean? I'm like, this takes time. It doesn't take overnight. I was there every day. I mean, we had Reebok Classic Leathers. We had the Feli suits, socks. I, spread, I was spreading everything. Thin. Spreading yeah. it. Make it fill as possible. Exactly. Put 20 socks on this wall. That's it. This is a sock wall. It's that many socks. I don't care what it looks like. Fill it. Yeah. So when you come in, you know, someone look a little, you know, full, say. But that was the always the good good businesses, you know, when you have a, a, a space, you have to make it look full. Yeah. Yeah. You should cover from, from wall to wall. It should look. You don't like want to see no slot wall. No, 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 no open holes. Even if you have to double, triple, quadruple expose, it should always look full. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we did. We, you know, little by little. I always knew little by little, you, you build a business. And I wouldn't trade that ever because I knew from the beginning to the top, you know, all the layers that go into opening a store. That's amazing, man. So now, probably like year three, year four, the business is really picking up, I'm assuming. Well, I would say till I started getting my own, because again, every time you have to book orders, it was always like three months mm-hmm. that you would get the goods. And so by that time, did I make the window? So I would say I opened up in August. So I would say probably to, uh, 1998 when the goods started really coming in consistent instead mm-hmm. of you know grabbing little pieces here, little pieces there. As soon as you started getting the orders coming consistent, and then after that it was just kept building and building and building. That's beautiful. I'm thinking about 98 because I remember when um, when Bobito does the uh, the interview, he does the the expose editorial rather for Slam. And he starts talking about the dunk craze. And dunks are coming back yet, coming back out around that time because they had just retro. So I'm assuming you're seeing all the shoes that you saw when you worked at, at Sneaker Lane and now Sports Lane. Sports Lane. And you're watching these shoes come back out now. Yeah. So that had to be really interesting too. Of course. Yo, yo, right now you're listening live from the Stoop Podcast and we're tuning in with my main man Vinny. If you like how the episode is going, be sure to rate review comment and subscribe we want to hear your thoughts we want to know who we should have next as a guest let me know email me write me whatever you think is right just let me know let's get back to the show of course because you already lived that before now you're reliving it you know which is even better yeah yeah of course and you know that's going to drive the business now like you have uh so you see you see neon 95s like oh this is great oh yeah this this is great home run uh, the Hamaras came back again. Yes. Harachis. Everything. Everything. Everything was, was was coming back. And again, before to have a business versus now with, you know, a lot of stores would have all these multiple brands, you know, a lot of brands of store. People were doing business with two brands, which was Nike and Timberland on a large scale, say. And then you throw in Adidas, you throw in just 
very little, but mm. the majority was you had Nike and Timberland. That's it. If you look before and all the stores that were opening, it was a Timberland sign. And the a Nike, Nike sign. That was it. And Timberland walls were like huge. Yeah. Like then too, I didn't I didn't know any better. All I knew was constructs. But like now that I'm older and I you know I've done my research, I can imagine like forty belows was a big deal. Oh. Uh the pro models were a big deal. Like all of those large sizes super boots people were buying. Oh, one hundred percent. That was it was big. Big now they're limited, right? Yeah. Before you would go in the store and buy them and go home, wear them. Now everything is limited. Everything is limited. So it's like, it's a different different animal now. And then you're seeing like new models come in and then you're seeing retro models in different colors as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, even to this day, you see the retro models still outdo the new models. There's a kid born every day who wants to live like his brother did. Yeah. So at that time, when, so as the business is, is, is growing, when do you decide to make it more family oriented? Well, when we, we opened up in 97, then after, I think I opened up my second store in 2000. Okay. Yeah, right, going right into 2000. Um, and then you could say, you know what, we'll add this other brand here. Kids footwear, we, we did a lot of business in kids' foot, shoes, like infants, preschool, and grade school. We did great with that. You know, then you'll have the families come in, and then you, eventually they're 10. And now, even now, you know, when we were in the store, we had... Kids that were shopping as kids come in with their kids. Yeah, which is beautiful. Oh, it was great, man. It was because now the kid, the guy who collected all his kids, is collecting shoes now. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. He, and it's funny because like humans are a creature of habit, right? So like when I would go shopping with my dad, he would go in like, all right, this is, hey, this is my son. If you see him, just know this is my son. So it, I became, I remember like, oh, you're Rob's boy, right? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. What do you want? And I would get this. So I think that was always really, really cool. Yeah, of course. It's a, like I said, it's just a neighborhood was always together. You know, you knew the person, you knew the mom, you knew the dad, you know exactly what they want. If you uh, help them out with the shoe, lace it up, make sure they're good with it. You know, do the run back and forth. Yes, 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 all that. So, as you, what makes you decide to open up a second store? Because you were talking about that. With how did you know it was the right moment? Uh, yeah, I, I guess it just you just feel it. You know what I mean? It's just part of like always wanting to do more and I wouldn't say better but just to do more so you know I saw some uh, one of my was my customer and was into real estate and he's like Vin I have there's a spot right there on Westchester Avenue alright I only know White Plains Road and Pelham Parkway right now that's it <laughs> so, he, so he took me there I looked at it I'm like alright this could be a, a good spot um, and then uh, you know we were working the deal now I'm doing my like first on my own deal say uh, but I, I would go back and ask him feedback. What do you think? But it didn't work out okay. for the first couple of months. Uh, uh, so I was like, I right, forget it, you know. And I was hard for me to say no because you, you know, you're eager to do it. Yeah. But again, you have to think business smart. Like if it's not what you want, then you're gonna have to let it go, and something else will pop along. So after like two, three months, my 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 guy calls me. He's like, Vin, uh, listen, he wants to lease the store. I'm like, I know, but I can't do it for whatever number that was. And he's like, yeah, just tell me what you want. Send me over the paper with what you want. He's ready to make a deal. I'm like, you sure? He's like, yeah. All right. Boom. He's like, you got it. I'm like, all right. That's so how do you... Uh, so now now we're talking about brand identity now. Yes. Because now it's like, okay, how do I differentiate the main store from the secondary store? Like, how does... That's two different consumer bases. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you would, again, 
know the neighborhood, you know, right? So it's having a great manager there and study the what the people want. And from getting the feedback from that, you're like, all right, some stuff that didn't work in Pelham Parkway worked great over there. So a lot mm-hmm. of people, like, especially people, salespeople from big companies, they think, like, one shoe could work all over the uh, in the Bronx, say. It was never the case. Each borough is like a different city. A personality, city. yeah. Exactly. So it was always different. So we always bought different for each location. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So now the, the stores are, are building. You're watching people. At what point do you feel like, okay, you, you're like, all right, where do we move to store three? Because I know that had to be a big deal, too, to like, all right, we're really doing business business now. Yeah. Well, you know, what happens is that you, you start, you know, doing the right business and people recognize it, and they, they want to do business with you, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, again, Vin, I have another spot for you, and it was, uh, all right, let me check, and, and it was always the same guy. And <laughs> um, so that's how that happens, because, again, everybody wants uh, a good tenant, right, a person that knows what they're doing in business. So after a while, it's sort of things gets thrown at you, you know what I mean, where you don't have to really go out and uh, look for it or whatnot, you know? So as as you're growing, you're watching the brands grow too. Yes, yes. How is that? How is that interesting to watch? Well, it, it was it was good, but then for guys like small mom and pop store, we, we, they looked at different now, mm-hmm. right? Where you know they started putting allocations in in, in product now, meaning like. If you got a hundred pairs before one shoe, and they're like, "No, you only can get twenty-four now." Yeah, yeah. So that kind of dictates your business now, right? Because before you knew what you can do with this style, but now it's like, "Oh, you can't get that uh, that much," and you have to spread out the inventory on you know whatever you can buy. Let's say this is what mid two thousands now. This is when LEs and limited edition shoes are starting yeah. to develop now too. Yes, yes. I, that's. I can remember. I remember that like it was crazy. We had uh, we used to do a lot of hat business with New Era, so we had a nice big showcase in White Plains Road. So we used to put the sneakers in there. That's I think with the uh, the white and green. Um, it's the white and green shoe. I forgot the. It was an Air Force with the uh, St. Patrick's. The St. Patrick's days. Okay, so those were seventy dollars retail. Yeah, we would put for a hundred. Gone. Really? Yeah. Anything that we got, like with some cool, we could bump up twenty, a hundred dollars, and it was yeah. just like you're making making money. Well, I think also too because you're watching the business change, right? Exactly. Because now, you know, you have the development of the internet, and it's not big at that time. No, no, it's, no. it's microscopic at that time of like what people were looking for. But you did start seeing kids come in, like Yo, you have that. I need this. You're like, well, what the fuck is that? This. Do you have you seen this? And that hunt begins now. Yeah, yeah. Now all the kids want, you know, the, the limited stuff. And people are still buying in between. Yeah, they were buying. But you're up. seeing the kids who are like actual tastemakers in a sense that they're like, I need you to find this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the Air Force which kind of started that whole uh, that whole thing. And this is around 2000, 2000, I want to say that's 2004, 2005. When it came out, the Olympic pack, the Brazils, mm -hmm. and that was just kept going crazy, crazy. Because I think it was, for me, uh, it was the Fantastic Four collection. 
That was the first time I started looking for like. Oh, that's with the clear. Uh, with the Invisible Woman. Oh, that was the Thing Dunks. We had that. The Doctor Dooms. That was the first time like I was like, I need this specific shoe. Have you like it was like the Galaxy Pack? Though. Yeah, we're, which we're going to get to because that that is crazy in and of itself. Yeah, that was. So I remember like general releases were general releases at the time. You could still like get a general release shoe the day it came out. It became how early did you get to the store? Because it was like there wasn't a line or anything, but you if you wanted your shoe, your size, you made sure you got there around like the first two or three hours at the store. Open. Yeah, you'll, you'll get it. Yeah, it's not like, where people were hanging out, sleeping outside overnight. No. Know? So this, so then that happens, and then you say, then fast forward, the Galaxy Pack. Oh, that was... That, and I think that, that's when the world changes. That's exactly. You said it. I, I think that was like one of our biggest uh, releases ever. Like, it's like, oh, Vin, you're going to have this, uh, this pack come in. I'm like, okay. I go in the store, and I don't know how the hell they know I got, I'm getting a shoe. <laughs> like, people outside. I'm like, what are they doing here? <laughs> and you didn't even announce anything yet. No. And it was crazy. Like, it was crazy. Like, I had to, like, oh, it was bad. It was like, we know you got them. We wanted that. <laughs> trying to get the UPS guy. Like, <laughs> so now, like, you, I can only imagine you, you have a conversation with your stores now. Now, but all my customers that always shop in the store, you have to take care of them. I mean, yes. But then you have a line of, 200 people, like, what are you doing? You didn't get, you know, you're You didn't get 200 pairs. No. So, so it was always like... Minus the fact, you have three stores now. It was so you couldn't, you couldn't put it... No, we only had to be for that one location, White Plains Road. We didn't have for the other stores. So, it was, so just picture the customers from those three stores coming to, the, you know, there. It was, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. And everybody, there was some that wanted one shoe... Somebody wanted the whole collection. Oh, let me get all of them. Let me get this. Uh, <laughs> I think it might be on the YouTube channel, too. They might have it on there. You look it up on, on, on that release there. At that moment, when you see it, you're like, okay, 17-year-old Vinny, Vinny Sneaks, never saw this coming. Oh, no, no, no. Where people wait online, <laughs> sleep at night, over. There was a guy and his son that slept outside. I'm yeah, like, I can only imagine. That's crazy. I, I, can I thought only that was, I was like, that's crazy. And you're like, wait, for and shoes? It, and, the, and the father said to the son, I'm, I'm getting mine, so if he don't get his, it's like... <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. Okay. I'm like, I think we have kid sizes, <laughs> but uh, okay. No, they're probably the same size, yeah. but who's going to make sure he gets his first? And if you have for him, then if not, then... Also, too, you're watching the retros of the shoes of the first time when you saw them. So, like, we're talking... You watch Concords come in the store for the first time in 96. Yeah, yeah. Then you watch Concords in your own store in 2001. Then by 2011, you're seeing Concords come back out, and you've seen the growth of these shoes. It was the Christmas shoe. Like, it was just the shoe to have for Christmas. And I remember they would drop them, like, on a Black Friday. Yeah. And, like, what are you doing? Because nobody would buy anything else. Right? Like, you got to do business for Christmas. But they would hold off till they get that that shoe. And then after that 24th passed, then Christmas started shopping, started coming out. <laughs> but that was the moment. That was the moment. I think the first Black Friday release, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, Black Cement 3s. Black Cement 3s was the first Black Friday 
shoe because you had the Christmas shoe that was coming, but black like it was like okay this is the one because when Space Jam dropped in like 2009, you had cherries in the beginning, cherry twelves in the beginning of December. Space Jam was at the end of December, which at the time it was still hard to find shoes, but that Galaxy Pack changed everything. Oh man, that was that was crazy. So then I'm assuming Yeezy as well. Because you see Yeezys come into the, like the Air Yeezy 1, Yeezy 2, that well, becomes a thing. That, we didn't get that. That was, I think when they did that, it was more of a boutique. Say. Boutique. So how does that relationship start? Where you're like, okay, you're not a boutique. And you're like, well, what, then what are we then? Well, that's where we always said, like, we're the neighborhood store. We kind of like, I wouldn't say start the trends, but that's where the neighborhood comes to shop. And then mm. it came to a point like, oh, you guys don't have that? You know, we sold it in the beginning. Now it's a boutique now. They pulled it out and now they call it a boutique. And the customer was like, what? I used to be able to come here to get this. Yes. Now I got to travel all the way down down to get this. Exactly. And I remember that, that transition. Because for me, it was um, when I realized I couldn't get SBs everywhere. Oh, yeah. Well, SBs were always on its own, say that. That was always on its own. I mean, people would try to get it, you know... They would have to have to sell skates and stuff. So that was always like sitting on its own for a while, you mm-hmm. know, until they probably took it out and said, you know, boutiques can have it. But I think regular stores, I don't think they ever kind of had that. No, they had dunks. Dunks, yes. Dunks, and kids yeah. bought dunks, but it wasn't like, it, that was a niche audience too. Like, yeah, yeah. The kid who came in and bought a pair of dunks, you kind of looked at him like he was weird almost. Like, hey, just go with this guy. But there was this thing. They, they knew about this thing. But I want to say by the time SB culture popped, I realized, like, I was like, all right, well, I can't buy this from a regular sneaker store. Where do I go to get this? Or if I wanted this Clark Kent 112 Air Max 1, not getting it in my local store. Like, I'm going to have to go search for this entity. Yes, yes. And that became, that became a hassle. Yeah. Even for the store owner, again, people used to come and expect us to have it, and then everybody, oh, no, that's only a boutique and like what the hell? And and you're you're just as disappointed as the customer is. Of course, because you grew your business on being the store with picking out the hits and 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 and, and supplying the neighborhood. Where now they took that out of your hands, and now you gotta figure other things out. And you're also watching. I mean, at that time too, I remember brands were like giving stores like, okay, if you want this, then you have to take this apparel to go with it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The bundle deal, kind of. Yeah, and you get stuck with all the all the crap, and, and and you know you sell the shoes, but it's like okay, wait a minute, you give me X amount of shoes, tons of clothing. If you do the math, <laughs> I can't even match the outfits with as many shoes as you gave me. Yeah, and you sell out the shoes, but you get stuck with all this merchandise here, where you're dropping below cost just to get rid of it, just to have <laughs> the shoe. So you you have what fifty pairs of Elevens. And a hundred Jordan T-shirts oh. and, and sixty hoodies. But they, the thing they didn't get was like the cust. You can't tell the customer uh, this is going to go. To, you know they they don't they don't want that. They they'll take the shoes. They're going to flip the shoes on whatever apparel they want to it. You know. Yeah. And, and the that's most you can give me is like a pair of socks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. But like a shirt, outfit, the sweat. Nah, they're not going to. No. You know, that's no. The, Makes you look like an AA coach. Yeah. They want to flip it before <laughs> with a Nietzsche and. You know, yeah. Mecca and, you know, the urban wear was crazy, you know. How does that work, too, with, with clothing brands now? Because you're watching clothing brands come in and out of the store, Well, too. when I first opened, let's let's go back. 
in 97, and then that store that I went in the beginning mm-hmm. to, and the guy said, you know, uh, it was already rented. The landlord comes to me and says, Vin, you want the store next door? I'm like, it was a big store, you know? I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. So then I did a clothing store there. We used to call it the Summit, and that's when... <gasps> oh, my God, that's right. Yeah. So we used to sell... I mean, all the urban wear was crazy, and, you know, jerseys and Fat Farm and... And you watched that change as well. Oh, that that change was crazy. Tell me about it. How? What? Well, it had to be faster than footwear. It was super fast. The, the, what happened was so footwear was always rocking. So mm-hmm. I had you know, I had two parts, right? Uh, we only could go in the back. The employees can go to the store to store, but customer wise, they would have to go out and go into the store. Blah blah. You know, to go out. Yeah. Um, so sneaker store was always crazy the clothing store was good with all the urban wear but then after a while it was like started slowing down and then then um i think it was around jay-z uh when he says he don't wear the yeah we jerseys got, we're doing button-ups now button-ups and boom and white tee and a yankee hat yeah pummet i couldn't sell anything so then i'm sitting in the store i'm like you know it was so many brands you had to deal with you know, yeah. so many brands. Like, it was like, forget it. It was a lot of work. But we did it when the business was there. But after a while, it's like, what the hell are we doing here now? So then I said, you know what? I'm going to shut that down. I'm going to knock the wall down. And I'm going to make one big uh, footwear store and have clothing complement the footwear. So I reversed it, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. the sneaker store was, you know, 700, 800 square feet. And this store next door was about 2,200 square feet. All clothing, tables, and all that. So I was like, you know what? One day I was like, you know what? I'm done with it. I was like, Psh. put the clothes that side up. You know, and then we did construction, then I opened it up. It took me about a year because I was doing it at my pace, you know. And uh, then I opened up all big footwear with a big hat section. And it was, again, it was all footwear, accessories, and clothing to complement the, the footwear. And it worked. It was perfect. Because you were re- you weren't trying to be too matchy matchy, you were complimenting it. Exactly. And I think that's really big. A lot of brands, kind of, well, a lot of stores forgot to compliment things. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't have to force me to. I think the first time I made it a comprehensive decision, like I don't want this, was uh, like the Jordan Levi collab, and you had to buy the Levi's with the Jordans. So I was like, Yo, I'm not doing this. Count me. See, I never liked that. Like even like I had friends with stores and like oh. Used to sell the retros, oh, but they have to buy uh, the sweatshirt and the t shirt. And I'm like, and you're doing that to your customer? I remember. <laughs> and they're buying, he goes, Yeah, I'm like, but see, I couldn't do that. Because you knew it was wrong. Yeah, it's like, you know, you, I got you. <laughs> yeah, like I remember. And I, don't, I never wanted to feel uh, <sighs> that, feel that, like I, that. You don't want to hold the gun. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't. I wouldn't like that done to me. So I'm like, if that's what the, 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 the company wants. To do to me, I can't do that to the customer. Yeah, I remember uh, you know? I walked in a sneaker store in the Bronx, and um, I wanted Chrome Eights, and I'm like, "Yo, how much for the Chrome Eights?" And he's like, "It's one sixty. At the time, Jordans were one sixty; they were like one twenty-five. Yeah, one one twenty. Yeah, one twenty. Yeah. So I'm like, "Wait, one sixty? I was like, "Why is it one sixty? You got to buy the shirt." I said, "Wait a minute, I don't want the shirt." He's like, well, I'm not selling the shoes without the shirt. And I'm like, 
what the hell? I don't, why do I have to? He's like, that's it. No, that's it. Don't, don't buy shoes. You don't but get shit. How do you feel? You, you didn't feel right. Like, you I was felt like, well, like fuck this. you then. I don't want it. Exactly. So now he lost you as a customer. Yeah. For, you know, trying to get you to buy a $40 sweatshirt. You know, listen, companies doing that to us. I get it. Put this stuff on sale. We used to get it. Put it on sale that day. Oh, listen, I give it to you half the co- if you want. If not, don't problem. But now it's crazy because all those things now, all that apparel people want now. People are dying for that apparel. Which one? The, the, the vintage, like the, the, the really silly t-shirts with like, you would see like Jordan laces make the shape of a bowl logo. Like people want those things now because it's, it's vintage. Exactly. But imagine going to a store and... And you've seen racks and racks. And you don't want it, right? No. You don't want nothing like that. No, so not at all. When it's not happening, now you yeah. want it. But again, if, if the company would let the, the, the buyer do his job, maybe I'd pull this here instead of saying, you got to get all this stuff. Yeah. You know, now it's, it's not going to work. So fast forward to around, you go through the, through the mid-2000s, you go into the 2010s. When do you make the decision to make the transition into another creative space. Where you're like, all right, BX Force has had its run. It's been really great. I think it's time to change. I guess from, from, from just from the market itself, like, you know, it's, it was, came to a point that, you know, co- vendors, companies weren't feeding, feeding the mom and pops anymore. They weren't even, they weren't even care. Um, so, uh, you know, I had the shop here for... Uh, the building, say, there, it was old Pigeon Club. Um, so they were there, and then uh, uh, they left. Then, uh, you know, we, I was trying to rent it out, and I was like, you know, maybe I'll rent it out or whatever. And then we just said, you know, maybe put a shop in here. You know, it was old-school-looking shop. Uh, we kind of left everything the way it is. I just kind of did the floors and the ceiling. And then, uh, you know, had to close down BX Sports, and then we just kind of just happened, you know, just happened to fall into that. And then you, you look and you're like, creative spaces. I think that, because that's big. Like, at that time, people were looking for that and that transition. It seems like the kids who were buying the shoes and everything back then, they became creatives and wanted to do different things. Uh, yes. They, they became the store. Like, you know, you see a lot of kids selling their own uh, merch now, you know, because... Again, in the neighborhood store, which is, you know, mom and pops are not there no more. You can go around and see that they're not there. Yeah. So, you know, you have all the big guys in there taking all these spots. So the connection with the community is not there on a personal level. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of them do, like, you know, parties in front. And yeah, that's not, for me, that's just a show. But to come into a store and talk to the owner and he's helping you and he knows your mom and he knows your kids, that's gone. You know what I mean? So then you have a new set of customers, right? Because now you have these kids who have their own bread and now they're coming to you and they're like, yo, we need help. And that had to be a beautiful feeling because you remember being a kid. Yeah, I love to um, to help. Like, because... I got you know somebody helped me so yeah. and at a young at a young age you know and I and I know my old boss saw something in me and believed in me and helped me you know and look opened up eight stores have my own properties and and you know doing my thing but uh, that's all because somebody helped and I always look to push that forward 
That's Always. amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you, you definitely, you know, Vinny, we have conversations all the time, and I do value your opinion a lot. I think that um, as a creative and as someone who wants to own a business one day or in that entrepreneurial spirit, your tutelage is vital. Because yeah, like I always, I always, you know, sometimes people don't like to hear it, but I always try to speak straight and, and, and push, especially the young guys. Push, 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 because you have something, you got to go out there and get it. You know and, what I mean? And I think, too, like you, you've been able to show us that all of those moments of those experiences from buying sneakers and being in, in the community and doing that, that's tools that you can use to whatever you want to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's not just happenstance that you know what's hot or what's this or what's that. You can use that to drive whatever you want. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's a feeling. You know, it's, it's something that's in you. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, listening to your story, even going to school and seeing the businesses and stuff like that, you knew these things firsthand because someone gave you that opportunity. Exactly. So you can even, at that time, like, that's not how that goes. Listen, you always said that, but again, it's always respect, right? Mm. I had respect for, for my old boss, and I still talk to him to this day, almost every day. If I have a question, I don't know everything, I'll call him up. Figure it out. Yeah, it's, but it's respect, right? So, I, listen, I'm a young kid, and you know, you look up to uh, the guy that, that helped you. And he's saying this, you know, uh, again, some things I would take and some things I would be like, you know what, let me just, I think it goes this way. Some of it worked, some, some of it didn't. But when you grow, you'll get to f- know the feeling and you'll, you'll make this a decision on your own, ultimately. Vinny, man, I appreciate you sitting down with me, man. This was an incredible episode, man. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, guys, you already know about... Bronx Social, so you can follow them on all the social platforms. They have amazing products, amazing brands, as well as amazing pop-ups as well. This is Live from the Stoop with Robbie Digital. Till next time.